I'd like to say that I'm more than honored to bring to you the word today. My name is Deborah Molly, and I'm happily married to one, Derek Molly. God blessed us with a very handsome baby boy, Raphael. And as I talk now, he's busy interceding. <laughs> I would like to take this opportunity to honor my bishop, Dr. Pastor Alex Mutaguria. Besides being a bishop and a shepherd to me, him and our mother, Pastor Faith Mutaguria, have mothered us as a family. They've mothered us as a church. Growing up, my parents built a very big house. By then, that was around the 1990s, something like that. And it was so unique by then that it was very big and they painted it white. It was a new thing on the village. And everybody looked at the house and related the size and the color to money. And shortly after we had moved in, my father was ordained to be a reverend and he had to minister in Ginger. But remember, I was staying in Kamoli, and they carry garments that they put on while doing ministry, so he had to get himself a briefcase. So when they related the big house to the house being white, and then to the person who stays there carrying a briefcase, it was an assurance that, hey, these people have money. And so one fateful morning, they left home at four because they needed to be in Ginger by six, to run the first service. No sooner had they left than we had footsteps approaching. We were left only two people in the house. That's my baby sister and I, and I was seven by then. So they had locked us in and we would open when morning comes. So when we had footsteps approaching, my mother always told us, close your windows, close your windows, but you know sleep and being a child. On this fateful day, we had not closed the window. So when they approached the house, they started looking for an open place that can be the basis of their entry into the house. <laughs> and behold, it was the window. They opened the window, the bed was next to the window, and somebody touched us. Tata, particularly me. It was like, Zuko Koguleo, wake up and open. <sighs> we started panicking. At that time, I could feel my baby sister's heart pounding. Medically, we feel the lab and dab. Me, I was shaking to the extent that the clothes I was putting on were also shaking. So, we had just come from Kenya and we speak Kiswahili. So, people thought that we have maybe an army background. So, what I did, I told my, my sister, Becky, Go, go to mommy's bedroom and bring the gun. The man didn't leave. I think they knew. That didn't stumble them. I told Becky, go and call mommy. They still remained there because they knew they had seen them leave. We tried to pray. The words got lost. I was like, what are we going to do? But by then there was a song that was so common. I don't know, I'm not a good singer physically, but spiritually I'm into sinze. Praise God. So we started singing. The chorus goes, So instead of putting a biyange, we put a babi. 
we sang that song, we gained courage, we started clapping hands, we lost contact with what was going on physically, and before we knew it, it was morning, the thieves had left, and we were safe. Looking at that story, I came to realize that prayer can be of very many dimensions, and whichever way you take to pray, God listens and he indeed answers. We tried to speak out words, but these words couldn't come out. We lost words, we ran short of words. We didn't even have the audacity. But then what sustained us, what gave us the courage was the singing. And to us, the message in the song was so satisfying that we felt content, we felt comfortable, we felt safe, and knew that all was going to be well. Little did we know that that was a prayer. Did you know that when you sing, you're actually praying? Wow. So let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 5 from verse 13. Can we read it together? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Praise God. This book was written by James. And if you didn't know, James was the earthly brother of Jesus Christ. But James was not telling us to pray because he's a brother to Jesus Christ. James was telling us to pray because he had prayed himself and seen that it works. And it is written that James had had calloused knees. The knees had become hard and calloused. When we say calloused, they had developed something dark and hard due to consistently kneeling and praying and praying. And so, him telling us to pray is not theoretical, but he's telling us what he did. He, did. he didn't just walk the talk. He did it on his knees. When we look at James 5 verse 13, it tells us that is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Many a time when we go through suffering, you know, when we talk about suffering, it could be torment. It could be any negative situation you're going through that is not pleasant at all. And so in most cases, when we talk about suffering, when somebody's suffering, going through a hardship, they normally tend to look for solutions from within. Oh, let me work harder. Let me do this. Let me do this. I can do this. Let me figure out a plan. But then they forget that we as humans, we are limited. But James was telling us that is anyone of you suffering? Let them pray. When we pray during hard times, it's like we are carrying the situation the way it is and handing it over to God. The Bible tells us that he's the author and finisher. 
Praise God. And so when you pray during a hardship, when you pray during a tormenting period, when you pray when you're suffering, you're carrying this whole big burden and you're giving it to God and you're telling him, God, come and take control. And the beauty with that is that when you carry all this mugging thing and give it, give it to him, he gives you peace. And James says, let them pray. It is in the present continuous. Meaning as long as you're going through a situation that is not pleasant, continue praying. Don't pray once and stop, no. Continue praying. Pray in the morning. Press is on in. Press is on out. Pray, pray, pray. And as you pray, you'll find yourself that you'll gain confidence. You'll gain hope. You'll have rest. The Bible tells us from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. That be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7 goes ahead and tells us that, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The beauty with surrendering the situation unto God is that he gives you this peace. This thing is written. He gives you the peace. He takes the torment. He takes the suffering. He takes the hardships and gives you peace. No wonder I've had very many people who say, everything around me is not working, but I'm at rest. I can't describe it. The person around you comes and tells you, Gwe, na ye, chichi. I'm good. Such a person has attained peace. Peace that comes with surrendering whatever you're going through unto God. James tells us to sing praises when in good spirits. When we talk of good spirits, we would mean to be cheerful, to be happy. Personally, I love dancing. And so when I get any good news, the first thing I do is shake, shake, shake. Yeah? But then the Bible tells us that when we are happy, let us sing. Let us sing praises unto the Lord. But you find that the first thing you do when you get good news, hello, Fiona, I've won some good amount of money. You forget God. Eh? The first thing you do is to post. Oh my God, God has done it. But the Bible tells us that when you're happy, sing praises. This could be kind of challenging, you know, for some of us who are into sins, spiritually. You'll find that when you sing, the neighbor will be like, Sisi. Yeah, but what you can do if you're in your car, play some worship. If you're at home, play some music. And as you're singing along, you'll find that you're worshiping God. Just like the songs we've sung here today. Yeah, we are saying that every knee, yeah, we are worshiping. So this is what James is telling us. That in good times, before you brag, before you make that post, before you call someone, sing a worship. Tell him, God, you deserve the glory for what you've done for me. In verse 14, James tells us, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In most cases, when people fall sick, the first thing they think of is, let me seek medical attention. Let me call my doctor. Let me go and run some tests and actually nowadays treating people is hard because the person comes when they know the diagnosis. So, I go good. Hmm? This should be typhoid because if it was malaria, the, the, the fever, and you're like, eh. and um, Quinine, Quinine would have done better, but give me a tissonate. You're like, eh. So, that is what people think of. Before actually they go to doctors, they Google. 
and find solutions. But then they're telling us to go to our elders. There is a reason why God put shepherds in front of you. There is a reason why God put you under shepherds. And it is written that once you're sick, go to them. At one moment, Bishop Alex was telling us that there are some breakthroughs you'll never encounter unless the person shepherding you prays about that. Whereby, however much you pray and pray and pray, you don't have the keys to unlock that particular thing. It will be your shepherd. It will be that person you submitted unto who will pray that thing out. And so here the Bible is telling us that if you're sick, go to the elders. And they've talked about anointing. During those days, anointing would mean smearing someone with oil. And this oil at one moment was therapeutic. Yeah, it would bring healing results. The massages we do nowadays have kind of deviated, but by then massages were done to rejuvenate the body. And so they used to use these oils and somebody would massage a paralyzed person till when the blood vessels wake up and start doing everything they're supposed to do. That is how powerful the oils they use. And so ideally, coming to the elders to anoint you with oil would mean that, but then when an elder anoints you with oil, they are calling down the spirit of God to come and rest upon you. And so, once the spirit comes and rests, the Bible tells us that he said, I'm leaving, but I'll send you a comforter. He not only comforts you, but there is a lot that the Holy Spirit who has come upon you after that anointing will do in your life. Praise God. And the Bible uses the word ill. Ill may not really mean being terribly sick. But during this time when James was writing to these people, they had gone through very many wars. They were broken. They were hurt. They were depressed. They had physical illness. They had spiritual illness. They had emotional illness. You don't have to wait for yourself to be physically ill, to be physically sick with maybe malaria, that you should go to your elders and they pray for you. And as we talk about elders, we have pastors here. You have your zonal leaders, you have your disciples. Praise God. So, it may not really be malaria, but you may be going through something spiritually. Don't battle this alone. The Bible says that when you approach these elders, you'll get that healing. Praise God. And it goes ahead and tells us that, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Faith, faith is the reason why we are here. We believe, we have faith, and believe what we have not seen. And so as the elders are praying for you, they pray and believe that however much the leg has not straightened up for you to walk, God has already done it. Yeah? And I would like to assure you that if you make prayers without faith, your prayer cannot be effective. You pray and immediately you'll be like, Nayana, Chikola, really? Really? So faith, if you want your prayer to be effective, one thing you should have is faith. Believe that whatever I've mentioned here, believe that whatever I've said, whether I've spoken it or not, he's going to do it. James 5.16 tells us to confess trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
when we talk about confessing, this is common in the marriage, among the marriage. We normally get gatherings and talk about how we do life and, you know, and you find that after those interactions, you realize that, oh, the has do this like this. Let me pick a leaf. You realize that what I've been doing is actually wrong. If I can do it like this, our marriage will be blissful. That's the beauty in talking to each other. That is the beauty of praying with one another. Currently, we are in a period of fasting and prayer. And our bishop tells us to be here in the evenings to pray together. Every morning from five, we are praying together. Every lunchtime, we are praying together. This is not a revelation that came to him for nothing. There is a reason why he says that let's collect up. Let's gather up. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered, praise God. You find that these prayers that we are getting involved in as a group, they really do something that probably wouldn't be done if you're doing it alone. But having them together, having prayers in the morning, having them in the afternoon is actually going to change something about our lives. And so if you're not participating, check yourself. Don't let this season pass by and say like, because at the end of the day, testimonies are coming and you're going to clap, clap towards people's testimonies because you really didn't participate. As long as God revealed this to our bishop, there are results you are going to yield. So pray, get in the bus and join, pray. Praise God. And they're telling us that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word effective in Greek means inagio. Inagio. And when we translate that to English, it is energy. Meaning the energetic. Hmm? The energetic. The next word is saying fervent prayer. The word fervent is heartfelt. When you pray a prayer that is coming from deep down. When we talk about heartfelt prayers, I want to remind you about Hannah. Hannah prayed fervently. Hannah prayed from deep down her heart to the extent that when Eli looked at her, she thought, mm, Hannah is drunk. But do you know that it's from that prayer that Samuel was born? Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed fervently to the extent that what was happening spiritually became reflected physically when he sweated blood. Praise God. And so when they said the effective, that is the energetic, fervent prayer of a righteous man, somebody will wonder, how can I be righteous? How do I become righteous? I've done A, B, C, D, but it has failed. When we talk about a righteous man, this is a man who has believed the finished work of Christ. This is a man who believes that the righteousness of Christ was totally imputed on him. That he got all his sinful nature, all his dirtiness, all his greed, and carried it. And Jesus gave him his righteousness. That is a righteous man. It is all about believing. And so if you're here and you're wondering, how do I become a righteous man? It is simple. Believe. And the Bible says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so, is it effective? Is it fervent? Are you righteous? Praise God. He goes down to James 5.17 and tells us, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. 
And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Wow. There is a reason why James used Elijah. Elijah by then was a known prophet. And he had particular reasons why he was known. Elijah, one, stopped the rain for three and a half years. He prayed and it stopped. Hey! He again prayed and it rained. Yeah? Elijah went to heaven alive. Everyone was looking, everyone was seeing. And he went. And so when James talks about Elijah, everyone knew him. It's like Alvin asking Alvin about Museven. <laughs> everyone knows Museven. Praise God. And so that is Elijah. So with all this biodata that we've talked about Elijah, you realize that Elijah was human like we are. But Elijah made prayers and they came to pass. I want to assure you today that you too can pray and stop the rain like Elijah did. And so on that note, therefore, what do we have to put into consideration as we pray so that we can have prayers with results? If you're to pray and attain results like Elijah did, these are the three things. One, you have to know that individual prayers are powerful enough to let the will of God come to pass. I have friends I relate with who believe that if I'm to overcome anything, I need to go to my pastors. I need to go to our prayer group. And we we'll pray about it. We fast. We do what? Hey, hey, as a group. But hey, Elijah did it. Elijah prayed alone. Elijah prayed. He prayed alone and results came. You too can do that. So when you're faced with anything, before you think about anyone, stand in the gap. Pray about the situation. Pray the situation out. Because the power that was on Elijah, you have more than him. You have much more greater than he is. Because he didn't have Christ on the inside of him. But you have Christ seated on the inside of you. Secondly, prayer is more powerful when a man is righteous. We've just talked about how to be righteous. So, are you righteous? Yes. Elijah by then, the righteousness that was talked about during that time, Jezebel was in charge. Jezebel commanded everyone to worship Baal. But Elijah stood and said, come rain, come shine. I'm not worshiping Baal. And everybody knew that. Well, others were trying to figure it and put one leg on the right and the other one on the left. Elijah stood and said, no, I'm not for Baal. I'm for Christ. And you find that when he prayed, there's a time they had a competition. Let's call down fire from up and let it burn this. The people prayed. The Bible says they prayed for five hours and nothing happened. The false prophets of Baal. And Elijah prayed and just like the fire came down. Because he chose to be right. How much more you who has the righteousness of God? How much more you who... When Christ was dying, you died with him. And when he resurrected, you resurrected with him. And the life that you're living, it is him who is living. How much more you? So come on now, stand and pray. You got this. Praise God. And the third thing says, prayer should be offered 
according to God's word. Do you know that Elijah knew God's word? When we read from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 11, verse 17, it says, Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Elijah knew that at one time, T, God had promised that should you do idolatry, that is worshiping of idols, I'll hold back rain. He knew this is like promising a young kid to buy them candy tomorrow. The moment they spot you, yeah, Pastor Kevin is there. You promised me candy. And when you know God's word, you're like that kid. You can tell him, God, you promised to hold back the rain. Hold it back. This people are worshiping Baal. And so, how much rooted are you in the word? Do you just go and speak nothing at the altars you're praying? Get the word and tell him, God, you said I am the head and never the tail. Why am I performing like this? You told me I'm the head. Why am I still among the worst people in the company I'm working in? Eh? Tell him, God, Psalms 91.16 says, by your stripes. Why am I having this? And you'll see how he'll panic to sort you. Because you're talking to him and using his own word against him. Yeah? So how much grounded are you in the word? Secondly, when you pray and you know the word, you pray in the will of God. There's a reason why you pray and not get results. You're praying amiss. But once you're grounded, you know what the word is telling you. It will be so simple. You'll know that at this time, this is what God expects of me. And you'll pray in the perfect will of God. Praise King Jesus. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed his desire and he knew the word. But still he said, if it's your will, let it be done. There is a beauty when you know what God says about you. Then we should always pray according to God's word and this will help him be revealed unto us. The more you read the Bible, the more you read his word, he will get revealed unto you in so many ways. And so, I would like to assure you that if you don't know God's word, then that means you're totally praying out of his will and thus praying amiss. But the beauty with all this is that it's never too late. You can pray individually, remembering that you're already righteous and once you're grounded in the word, there is no way you'll pray in vain. Praise God. So let's bow down and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that it is not leaving us the same. And we thank you that from today onwards, we are praying with results. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Wow, it's been good ministering to you today. I really feel honored and humbled to have brought you the word.